the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. You know, uh, we've had a great summer here in Toronto, pretty hot um, and lots of sun, uh, but we've also had a fair bit of rain and some flash floods and stuff like that. I want to tell you something. I don't like it. I don't like floods and I don't like it when people's basements flood and stuff like that. I don't wish evil upon anybody, but I absolutely love lightning. I absolutely love lightning. And I'll tell you two reasons why I love lightning. The first is my best friend is Archangel Michael and Archangel Michael is described. Archangel Michael is described as brighter than lightning. So when you're uh, out on a, you know, a stormy night or you're looking out the window on a stormy night and you see this like, you know, this, this crack of thunder and then the smash of lightning and the whole sky lights up in the middle of the darkness, the whole sky lights up. It's just so glorious, you know? The other reason why I love lightning relates to today's gospel. And that's because in the praises of the Feast of Transfiguration, it says that he was brighter than lightning. You find that all of, you find that all of the people who describe the, the Transfiguration are at a loss for words. One of them says he was brighter than, his clothes were brighter than any launderer could launder. Another one says his face, the appearance of his face was changed. In the praises, it says that he was brighter than lightning. What glory? How glorious is it when it's, when it's in the middle of the night and it's dark and it's stormy and it's raining and the last thing you'd want to be is outside getting poured upon by all this rain and out of nowhere, there's this crack of, of thunder and lightning that lights the whole sky up. I want to tell you, I want to tell you that our God is a God of lightning. You know, our God is a God of lightning and he takes dark stormy nights and he lights them all up like the whole thing. Right. And that's what the Feast of Transfiguration is about. The Feast of Transfiguration is that close to the end of Jesus's ministry and his life soon before he's going to Jerusalem and he'll be uh, crucified and rise from the dead he takes three of his disciples up on Mount Tabor and we had the luxury with a small group of of you all to go and visit Mount Tabor in in Israel in the Holy Land um, this this spring and when you're on Mount Tabor you're 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 above the Valley of Jezreel and it is it is it seems like the highest hill or highest mountain and you can see like the whole valley and you can see almost from Galilee which is in the north almost the whole way south to Jerusalem so it's almost like the whole world was underneath them their world they, they were fishermen like these guys didn't have a passport these guys hadn't been outside their outside of Galilee around around the lake of uh, around the lake of Galilee that's all they knew you know so they're, they're like the farthest they could imagine was Jerusalem. So they could see the holy from the north, the holy to the south. Jesus takes them up and he starts to pray. Jesus starts to pray, they fall asleep. Sounds like, sounds like me, right? And all of a sudden, his, his appearance is changed, says one of the, uh, says, says one of the, of the gospel writers. The church fathers teach us 
that it's not so much that Jesus changed his appearance. He didn't change his costume. He didn't like, you know, Superman go into the telephone booth, you know. No, that's not what happened. Or in a certain sense it is, you know. Um, it's not that Jesus changed his appearance. It's that Jesus' real appearance was revealed. So Jesus in all of his glory was living concealed from the world so that the world could receive him. But to his three disciples at that time, he revealed to them all of his glory. And with him, with him appear Moses and Elijah. And the, the Synexarium today was explaining to us what the church teaches us, that it, it wishes to show us that everyone is welcomed to this glory of his. Moses was married, Elijah was not. Moses was, was dead, Elijah had ascended to heaven in the flesh. Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. The short of the long is the two, these two other characters that are present with Christ show us his, the diversity that God is welcoming into his glory. That God is not welcoming only one or two people into his glory, but God is welcoming everyone into his glory. Now, what's very, what's very interesting and almost completely out of place is the conversation that happens between Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Imagine Jesus in all of his glory, shining whiter than light, shining brighter than the sun, shining brighter than lightning, shining... You know, whiter than a launderer could launder clothing. And, and then Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus about what? They're talking about, with him about his glory, about the kingdom, about the angels. About No, that's not what they were talking to him about. What were they talking to him about? They were talking with him about his suffering. They were speaking with him about his suffering. Well, that's kind of strange. Isn't this like a glorious moment, a moment of joy, a moment of happiness, a moment of... Why are they talking with him about his suffering? It seems out of place. It seems out of place to us who somehow have, have kind of bought into... Forgive me, it's like the lie of Disney, you know? It's the lie of fairy tale that they live happily ever after. It's not a lie. I'm not here to tell you that you don't get to live happily ever after. You do. You do get to live happily ever after. But the problem is, is the happily ever after starts here, but doesn't end here. It starts here, sorry. It starts here, but it doesn't end here. You see, like, I, I had the luxury of living in Vancouver. How many people here have been to Vancouver for more than like, m m more than like a transit? Like at least, at least a night or two right? A handful of people. Okay, how many of you saw somebody running somewhere, right? So I used to make fun of runners until I became one. We have a running group is sitting in the back over there. Shout out to you, right? Um, so until I became one, right? Then I made fun of people who did yoga, right? And then I started doing yoga. And then, all of the, and then I realized, and the thing I was making fun of was this, Everybody that I met, all the friends that I made, were people who are trying to live forever here. God wants you to live forever. 
I'm not against health and I'm not against, I'm not against anything, okay? I'm not against running or yoga or whatever. You know, do, do what you got to do to keep healthy and keep fit and keep happy. But God wants you to live forever. He does. It starts here. It starts here and it carries on over there. That's what Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about. You know what they were talking to Jesus about? They were talking to Jesus about his glory. But wait a minute, Father John, you just said he was talking about his suffering. They're talking about his suffering or talking about his glory. The church tells us that they are one and the same. The church teaches us that every time we say glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we do the sign of the cross. The church wants us to associate, to clearly associate glory and the cross. The cross is not the suffering in your life. The suffering in your life and my life is the product of disobedience. It's the product of my disobedience to God, of the disobedience of the people who came before me to God. It's the reason we're not in paradise. All of us are looking, all of us are searching, all of us are hoping for the perfect place, the perfect job, the perfect partner, the perfect you know, neighborhood, the perfect school for my kids. All of us are looking for that perfect. And it's like the search for the Holy Grail because we're not going to find it. We're not going to find it on earth the way we think we might. We're looking for paradise. We're longing for paradise. Why? Because that's where we came from. And that's where God wants to bring us back. And that's where God wants to bring us back. But in as much as we as a humanity chose death, He chooses death with us. His answer to our disobedience is the cross. And it's the cross that leads to the resurrection. Jesus could not have resurrected had he not died. He needed to die. And that's why, that's why the cross comes out, the, the resurrection comes out of the cross. That's why in all of his glory, they're talking about how are you going to bring this glory to all humanity? How are we going to once again, Elijah and Moses asking, going to be able to participate? I wasn't there for the conversation, but I'm imagining. They're asking him, how are we going to get, how are we going to, get to participate in all of this glory? You're shining and you're welcoming us into this shining light. But we're not shining. How are we going to shine too? He says, ah, because soon, soon I'm going to go on the cross. Soon I'm going to die. Soon I'm going to be spat upon. Soon I'm going to be flogged. Soon I'm going to be naked. Soon I'm going to be hated. Soon I'm going to be betrayed by my own and everyone will abandon me. Doesn't sound very glorious. So Jesus, what, how, is this, how does this lead to glory? Soon, in the midst of all of that, I'm going to look straight at the people who betrayed me and sinned against me and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Basically, in simple English, I'm going to say, I love you. Go buy me a new car and hand me the keys and give it to me as a present and it's easy for me to say, I love you. Nail me to a cross with all of the accompanying accoutrements that came with it and then hear Jesus say 
I love you. Man, that's an I love you. So what does this have to do with you and me? It has to do this with you and me. Very simply. Remember what I started with? Lightning. Lightning on a dark and stormy night lights up the whole sky. You and I probably have our fair share of dark and stormy nights. We probably have our fair share of where there isn't a star to be seen in the sky, moonless night, and it's pouring rain, and it looks like it's never going to stop. And we probably have our fair share of rainy nights, rain the size of golf balls, and then the thunder strikes, and it's just getting from bad to worse. In those moments, if you and I can look up, if you and I can look up and say, thank you, Lord, that you endured a dark and stormy night for no good reason of your own, like you didn't have to, you didn't need to, it, didn't, it wasn't yours, it was mine, but you endured it for me, if you and me can find a promise in Scripture and hold on to it for dear life with faith and believe that it's true, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He who touches you touches the apple of my eye. If a nursing mother even forgets her nursing child, says the Lord, I will not forget you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do not fear, I am with you. And so on, and so on, and so on. Promise after promise after promise after promise after promise. If you and I can just find one of those promises and wipe the tears from our eyes and smile and ask God to make it a genuine smile, a smile not based on our visible reality, not based on Jesus, the homeless carpenter, betrayed by his friends, left to die and forgotten. Think about it. Jesus' last public appearance was on the cross. Unless you saw the resurrection or believed in it from people who have seen it, Jesus is a loser. Jesus is only a winner if you believe in the resurrection. But why would you believe in the resurrection? Only a handful of people saw it. So either you saw it, which was just that handful of people, or you believed the people who saw it. Believe in the people who saw it. Believe in Him. Grab a hold onto a promise and smile in the storm. And that is glory. That is glory. When someone at work says to you, you look mighty chipper today. Are you having a good day? Well, actually, actually, it's like one of the worst days of my life. But, you know, nonetheless, and they're like, really? Why? And you're like, oh, well, this happened, and then my car broke down, and then I got a ticket, and then, you know? And anyhow, I'm here, and I'm, so why are you smiling? Why are you happy? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm smiling. Because I know that all of these things are self-limited. I know, that, I know that, that Jesus' crucifixion was the most horrific and gruesome three hours that happened in the history of humanity. But it was three hours. I'm not taking away from the cross. But your, your and my passage through the cross, through pain, through suffering, through difficulties, is limited. And the glory that God wishes to reveal in you and me 
is eternal. So let the lightning strike and let the lightning fill the dark and stormy skies and brighten the sky and make it brighter than it would be if it was daylight and remind you and me that your transfiguration, my transfiguration, which is a participation of Christ's transfiguration, is very near at hand, even at the very doors. Glory be to God forever and ever, man. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters.